Welcome to Sunday Morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and it is hot in the summertime in Columbus, Georgia. Don't have to tell you that. I know y'all are out traveling, but no matter who you are, where you are, what you've done, whatever you have going on, God is welcoming you home. So we invite you to come and join us as we celebrate our awesome God of love and of grace and joy. Come on in. The first scripture reading is in two parts. The first is Genesis 1, 1 through 5, and the second is Genesis 2, 1 through 3. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning, the first day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Genesis to Romans and the big Bible sounds like this. We are in Paul's letter to the church in Rome, early, first chapter. Chapter 1, verses 16 through 23. Listen for the word of the Lord. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith. As it is written, the one who is righteous will live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of those by who their wickedness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Ever since the creation of the world, God's eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things God has made. So they are without excuse. For though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their senseless minds were darkened. 
claiming to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling a mortal human being or birds or four-footed animals or reptiles. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the degrading of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A little girl asked her mother, how did the human race begin? The mother answered, well, first God made Adam and Eve, and then they had children, and so on. Two days later, the girl asked her father the same question. The father answered, many years ago, there were monkeys from which the human race evolved. The confused girl returned to her mother and said, Mom, how is it possible that you told me the human race was created by God and Dad said we developed from monkeys? The mother answered, Well, dear, it's very simple. I told you about my side of the family and your father told you about his side of the family. Use it well. So that idea... One parent says, Adam and Eve, it is as the Bible has specified how people came to be. And the father, edging more, leaning toward what we would call the scientific understanding or a scientific understanding of how human beings came to be through evolution, that was the truth for him. And rightly, the girl is confused. So today, we are continuing in our Questions of Faith series. Your excellent questions that were submitted, um, I've taken and are working through those, as many as I can, and we will continue in the fall, not in worship, but in other settings, to get through your excellent questions. But one of the questions, actually several of the questions, said, what about science and faith? The implication being, or the sub-question assumed, can they coexist? Are they, in any way, do they overlap? If you believe one, do you have to not believe the other? Meaning, if you consider yourself someone who is analytical and waits for the scientific proof before you understand something and you're a scientific person, how or can you have faith at all? And how if you are a person of faith, because belief is involved and belief is a structure that isn't necessarily scientifically provable, does that mean then that we cannot be people of science? Are these two at odds with each other? Well, and my quick answer is yes and no. How about that? So I, I will tell you my premise and then I will seek to defend it. I think faith and science are not only two parts, the two sides of the same coin, 
but I don't even think they're that far apart. I think science and faith are woven together and need each other and are far more similar than we think. There is far less of a chasm between the two than I often think culture portrays. Now, again, the caveat, this is my belief and our tradition and how I view it. Another Presbyterian minister might say something else. Certainly other clergy might say something else. Other scientific community folks might disagree with what I say. This is how I understand it. So when you look at what is the purpose of science and what is the purpose of religion, they are different in nature. And to say you have to choose one or the other, it's not comparing apples and apples. They are very much apples to oranges, but both necessary for a happy diet. Science. What is its purpose? Its purpose is through observable experiments, through study, to figure out how human nature, how nature, how the world works. That's a very simple explanation. But the key there is study. It is laboratory experiments. Traditionally, we see that as that which can be seen and proved. And on the other side, in the other corner... What is the purpose of religion? The purpose of religion, I will say our Christian faith, is to help us understand that there is a big God who loves us, created us, created the world, seeks to have a relationship with us, and should we decide to follow, walks with us a God who has a plan for us. Religion seeks to make all of that happen and clear. It is a belief structure. So science, study, experimentation, faith, belief, relational, they are different. They are not the same. And yet, I believe they are dependent on each other. Science seeks to address the how of the way the world works and is. Religion seeks to ask and clarify why. Science is the how, religion is the why. And they both need the other question. If we look at scripture and we look at the Genesis creation story, for example, was the purpose of that writer, that author that we attribute to Moses, who wrote down those, excuse me, first five books of the Bible, was Moses's purpose to write a biological, chemical response for the way that the world was created? Was Moses' intent to talk about 
the ions in the atmosphere, about the way that the particles formed to form light that God spoke into being? No. And while the Bible can be a historical and scientific document, that is not its main purpose. By and large, the biblical writers were not seeking to convince people about how God did what God did, but why. And we need not hold ourselves to that same accountability. If we can't prove it, then it didn't happen, and I'm not... And and then we get to the cop-out phase sometimes. If we can't scientifically prove everything that we say in the Bible, then the Bible is not real or I'm I'm going to withhold my belief because we can't prove it. That was never the Bible's intent. The Bible tells us about the history of the relationship between God and humanity. About this loving relationship from an all-powerful creator God who walked with us, walks with us, and will continue to walk with us from this life into the next. Science, science's job is to figure out the how. You don't need preachers like me. That's not my job to figure out the how and give you the scientific breakdown of how I think creation happened. I don't mean the timetable, that's kind of in play. But I mean all of those specific pieces of the chemical makeup, quantum physics, space. I can talk about those things, but that's not my primary training focus or call. Nor is it the job of the scientist to extrapolate from their experiments and observations about the why of how the world was created. We need science and science needs religion. And understand, there are differences in understanding when we look at creation. If you look at the bulletin cover, you see the somewhat manipulated picture uh, on the Sistine Chapel, Michelangelo, the famous picture of God reaching out to Adam. Well, it's reaching out. That, the bright part is right, but then there's kind of the evolution of ape to human. Again, science versus faith. Was the earth created 4.6 billion years ago? Or was it four to 6,000 years ago that the biblical record would lift up? And we make those guesses based on the genealogical histories that uh, both Genesis and um, Luke and Matthew give. They kind of trace back through that to arrive generally at that number. Those are different. Does that mean that they are not compatible? Or we can't believe that because we think the Bible says this and we think science says this. Well, as I said before, I think science and faith are far more closely related than they are apart. 
If you look at science and we look at the beginning, whether it's the Big Bang Theory or evolution, how does science know how the Big Bang happened? How does the science, how does science know that evolution happened in the way that they claim that it did? Were they there? Well, no. Was Moses there? Well, no. But back to science. So those two things that I lifted up both have the word theory attached to them because they are taking some scientific data and information, looking at rocks and, and how the sediment piles up and trying to discern and all kinds of scientific measures to then make a leap of faith or make an educated guess about how all of that happened, but they don't have all the pieces and parts and they can't say for sure. In a similar fashion, we as people of faith also have things that we believe are true and provable about our faith. It is the biblical record from accounts of people that we believe were there, experienced what happened in their time frame and wrote it down. Archaeology has proven connection and validity for some portions of the Judeo-Christian journey and experience. We know from our own walk and journey with Christ that that is something that we have experienced, that is something real for each of us. Do we know for sure about God with us, how all of that works, why that, how all of that? No, we don't know that either. Science and religion are the same in that category. There are both provable things about both sides, and at some point we both extrapolate and based on what we know, make decisions and conclusions. For us, it is a, a, a decision to follow Christ. And for scientists, it is to make the conclusion based on their experiments and studies. But religion doesn't have all the answers about faith. Science doesn't have all the answers about science. And if we say, well, I just, I'm a science person, you've got to prove it. How many times has science been wrong? And science is right a lot of times. I'm not disparaging science. Again, I believe we are one. But if we go back to flat earth, everybody knew. Everybody knew. Pythagoras. You remember him, geometry fans? Pythagorean theorem. Triangles, hypotenuse, squares within the triangles. But he was also one of the first or attributed to be the first who said, earth is a sphere, round. And this was 500-ish BC, around the same time that the Babylonian captivity, uh, captives were being released to come back to Jerusalem. Pythagoras said in a lecture, the world is a sphere, it's not flat. Heretic, 
heresy. Galileo, same thing. Well, Galileo was more, do we, does the universe revolve around the earth? Because everybody knew it did, but it didn't. We revolve around the sun. Einstein, one of our great scientists, theory of relativity, yes, he also had a static theory of the universe that said the universe does not expand or contract, it stays where it is and does not move. And another scientist, Hubble, the one that the space telescope was named after, discovered that the, earth, the, the universe is indeed expanding. And Einstein was big enough to say, I was wrong, he was right. I got that one wrong. So just because we say science, it doesn't mean that it's right. And just because we say religion, it doesn't mean that we can't prove anything either. When we look at the creation story, is there a way, depending on how we read, and, and this, this is kind of another issue, but the way that we Presbyterians read Scripture, it, we, we do not believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, meaning every word, the Bible wasn't dictated through these writers by God word for word. Our Muslim friends believe that, that the Quran was dictated to Muhammad word for word. That is not our understanding. The Bible is the inspired word of God through human hands. And when it goes through human hands, what do we do to it? Well, we can mess it up even though we don't mean to. Each of these 40-some authors of the Bible all had a context. They all had a time and a date and a place and an audience there were forces going on in their daily life that impacted directly what was going on with them. And so each author focuses a little differently. That's why we have four gospels. Why don't we just have one and call it a day? It'd certainly be easier. Well, because there are different audiences for those four gospels. And they had different, in some cases, accounts of the way that Jesus did things, although they are similar in important places also. But my point in saying this back to creation is that if the Bible was created in six days of our 24 hours, fine. If a day was a billion years, I have no issue with that either. Because we are interpreting to get to that four to 6,000 number as creationists. And as creationists, it means, my understanding is that we believe God was the creator. There is intelligent life. And that intelligent life is the God that created us, that we seek to follow, love, and worship. Can science and faith work together? Absolutely. I said this in a prior Sermon, I think science is simply the way that humans figure out how God did and does things. It doesn't disprove because we as humans can figure it out. That means God didn't do it. Some arrogance there. But again, I fully affirm science what it does, because it helps us in our understanding. 
Faith should do the same thing for our scientists. Often it doesn't, and often it doesn't. But I think it should. Why is God at odds with the way that God has done things? What could science figure out that could threaten us so much as Christians that we have to demonize all of science? Well, nothing, really. What if they find Jesus' bones, Pastor? Okay, well, that'd be pretty cool. Does that ruin the whole resurrection, that whole piece? Well, not even that. Paul, we know Jesus in his resurrected state comes back and they don't recognize him. He has a body and yet he can go through closed doors and walls. Paul talks about a resurrected body or a resurrection body that might be different. There's nothing that science, I believe, can come up and say, this is what we just found. Christianity is a hoax. So why don't we embrace scientific study? And why don't we embrace religion as a system of beliefs and see that those two complement one another? Our call is to be people with our heads and our hearts, to study and make decisions on our intellect as well as what we believe. That is science and religion together. The Magi, how did they find Jesus? First, they studied. That's science. They were, we think, astronomers or astrologers and were reading the stars, but they also knew Jewish scripture that something was happening. They followed that star. That was their experience. They decided to follow that, and that led them to the presence of Christ. That is science and religion together. And after they encountered Christ, they followed or I assume they follow. Actually, I, I withdraw that statement. I assume they follow. So again, science and religion are not exclusive. They are not against one another. They feed each other. They are part of the same woven tapestry. We need not fear the scientific community, and the scientific community need not fear faith. All science and scientists at some point can make science a religion. All religious people can make faith scientific. They are part and parcel of the same. And what is that same? The world that God created, the way that God put this earth into play, in the way that our, our all-powerful and all-loving God seeks to lead us forward, not exclusive of study and experimentation, but absolutely with it, so that when we make our decision to follow God, to follow Christ, to follow the prompting of the Spirit, we have done so with head and heart, with some pieces and beliefs from the scientific and religious journey, so that we can come into the presence of the one 
who gives us and seeks to share his resurrection glory. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, we look now in a mirror dimly lit, but then we will see face to face. Until that day, let us celebrate the union of science and faith together. We need each other. And this, I believe, is God's plan. Hallelujah. Amen.